Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today we're talking about creating your passion-filled future. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your Master Certified Coach and Midlife Mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. Now, this is a really special opportunity for me as a coach because today's interview is with a past client. I just love sharing these client journey interviews with you because there's so much we can both learn from them. Originally, my guest was unclear about where she wanted to go in her next chapter, like what she wanted to do next. Coaching together really helped her find the clarity she was looking for, and you might be a little surprised about what actually helped her the most. And that's why I just love these opportunities to go deep into her story after some time has passed, you know, about her path forward. She's also had time to reflect carefully about what concepts and exercises really helped her understand what she really wanted, her true, true desire. So I can't wait to dig into that. We're going to have fun. Also, just quick, I want to make sure you know about a free gift that I have for you called 12 Obvious Signs You Need a Change. So let me ask you this. Are you sensing that it's time for a big midlife change? Now, I'm not talking about jumping out of a plane or sailing around the world, nothing like that. I'm talking about maybe finally taking better care of yourself or figuring out who you really are now that your kids have left or maybe being more intentional about your relationships, maybe pivoting your career, something like that. If so, you're right on track, and this free guide teaches you the top 12 obvious signs that you're ready for an exciting change in midlife. You'll also learn more about why you're not doing what you really want to do, why it's important to think about what you want and make that exciting change already, and also how to make sure that you take the next steps to regret-proof your life. So if you'd like to grab this, head over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash 12 signs you need a change. And I have to apologize. It's a hyphen between each of these words. 12 hyphen signs, hyphen you, hyphen need, hyphen a, hyphen change. Now, I really do apologize for making such a weird link. (laughs) But if you go to the show notes, it'll be there waiting for you. No problem. Okay, second, I have a new opportunity to tell you about. I have a sister podcast called Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, and I'm currently looking for guests. So if you're a woman in the middle who's 50 plus and also an entrepreneur or business owner who's actively dealing with navigating around and through classic midlife-related obstacles and challenges while you're trying to run your business, then this new podcast is especially for you. So if you're interested in learning more about how to be a guest, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. There's lots more information there so you can see if you're a good fit for this new show. Okay, now let's dive in. This week, we're talking about creating your passion-filled future with Dr. Jesse Mahoney. In midlife, it's not that uncommon to feel a vague, nagging sense that something's off or just doesn't feel right. And sometimes this has to do with your career. Unlike other times in your life, though, it's not also that uncommon to struggle with fixing the problem, even though you may have been pretty good at this kind of problem solving in the past. That's what happened to my guest today and past client, Dr. Jessie Mahoney. As she describes during our interview, 
She had a great life, but deep down knew that something was a little off and needed to be addressed. It turned out that she was looking for more passion in her life and didn't have the solution for how to solve for that. And as a physician, that was highly unusual. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Jesse Mahoney is a master certified mindful life coach, a certified yoga and mindfulness instructor, a physician wellness expert, and a board certified pediatrician. Dr. Mahoney graduated from Dartmouth College, University of California, San Francisco Medical School, and the Life Coach School. She practiced pediatrics and was chief of physician wellness at Kaiser Permanente for over 17 years. At age 50, she pivoted her life to become the CEO of Pause and Presence. She now coaches high-achieving women, teaches yoga, and leads coaching yoga and culinary medicine retreats in spectacular natural locations. Jessie is co-host of the Mindful Healers podcast, and she teaches mindful yoga for healers weekly on Zoom and has a robust YouTube yoga channel with the same name. So as you can see, the career pivot Jessie made sounds pretty different and pretty exciting. Interestingly, her path forward makes perfect sense, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. Please enjoy this episode. Hi, Jesse. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. I was so excited to talk to you and check in and have you reflect a bit on coaching together when you were stuck and you knew something that was missing, what insights you had to break through and how and why you're so excited about your life now. I'm excited about your life now too. I just love client success stories. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, we also got to meet in Toronto that once, I was just remembering. We did. We've that so we have met in person as well. That was so fun. You know, when you live in a place where, I don't know, things happen, it's a big city, conferences, and you happen to be here. That was great. So what I like to do in these interviews, if you could just start uh, going back a little bit to the main reason you were looking for a coach, what wasn't going well, and if you can even remember what year, I couldn't remember what year it was why you were stuck, that whole thing. Well, it was either 2017 or 2018. We met in 2018 and that was close to the end of coaching. So right. I don't remember if it was beginning of 2018, end of 2017. And it's interesting because as I was reflecting on coming to talk to you about this, I was trying to think, well, what was it? And really it was a very vague, nagging sense of things just weren't right. And I couldn't quite figure out how to fix them. And I had really done all the things that I had wanted to do in life. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Everything was going pretty darn well. And it just wasn't right. Wasn't enough. Wasn't, um, I wouldn't even say not enough. I just feel alive and inspired. And like I was doing what I was meant to be doing in that phase of my life. So it was more of a nagging feeling than a, a stuckness. I just didn't know, well, except stuck, because now I'm going to describe that. I didn't know how to move forward, how to figure out what was next or how to um, change things. Yeah. And therein lies the classic midlife dilemma where the last time we made a plan, oh, that felt good. I got a plan. I'm moving forward on the plan 20 years. And then you don't have a plan. And because you're an overachiever, <laughs> Fair enough. as many physicians are, um, you know, no plan. You accomplished what was on the plan, but it just, I don't know. I, it always reminds me of breastfeeding. It's like nobody really tells you that breastfeeding hurts. <laughs> it's like a big secret and it yes, hurts it at is. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody really tells you 
that when you are working through your plan, you might want to start thinking about the next plan. It never occurred to me either. And I also just wasn't thrilled about what was going on. What was sort of interesting about my journey, I think, is that I kept trying to find a plan or make a plan. I think I was trained to like figure out the next thing. So I actually kept taking on more leadership roles and more leadership roles or trying to find the next thing that would get me to satisfied and feeling alive and happy again. Um, and thinking I did have this sort of sense that there was a there there and I would feel better there and that I just had to find the right answer, um, which I don't think was actually the journey that got me to the right answer in the end. But um, I think that I was actively feeling like there was a plan that I didn't know about. And somehow <laughs> I had to find the find it. Right. There's only one right way to proceed. And somehow I'm not there. You know, I remember, I really remember that when you had those job interviews, those leadership positions. And, you know, I would challenge you a little bit. I think it did get you there because you realized in the moment, in the interview and after the results of the interview, then things got a little bit more clear and you were able to sense more that disconnect that it wasn't what you wanted. I remember that pretty clearly. That's so interesting because I hadn't thought of that until you just said it. And during the time we were working together, my dream job or what I thought was my dream job um, in my large organization came up and working through that, actually, you're, you're right. Probably that was the first time that I had kind of really thought about, well, what do I really want? And what am I really good at it and passionate about and really want to do? And if you look at what I'm doing now, maybe that was the thing. So that got me there. I just thought it was going going to go all differently, which I'm sure most people think. I think part of the problem, I mean, it's so, it's such a midlife issue. We're just not trained unless you've been working in mindfulness a lot. And, you know, you were having thoughts and feelings, no doubt, but you weren't connecting with them. You weren't challenging them. Yeah, You were just sticking with that old plan. And the other thing that you were doing was you had started pursuing yoga which is part of the, and I'm doing air quotes, the right plan. And you didn't know what you were going to do with it, but at least you sensed, I think you were still working on your certification hours when we were working together, but at least you sensed that that felt right in some way. Yeah. And I think um, really interestingly, when I went back to yoga was around the same time that I started working with you. And I instantly knew that like, this is a place I need to be. And I don't know why. Um, and I bought, when I first started an unlimited pass for a year, and I just went all the time because that made it easy. And then by the end of the time that we were working together, I had d- decided to become a yoga teacher. And they actually let me convert my pass into, you know, as a as a someone who's doing their training, you get a free pass. So um, like convert it into my teacher training in some way. And so it became this, it was pretty quick in that sense that I just said, this feels right. And I think that that's true. When you find something that feels right, you have to trust it, even though you have no idea why it feels right. Because I would have never expected that the like high achieving physician leader, pediatrician would become a yoga teacher. (laughs) Well, this is where I've I've coached a lot of physicians and I just find there's, and I'm married to one, there's just... And and they're all around me, actually, my whole family. But I guess the thing that I see is something that's very consistent is that your training 
doesn't emphasize imagination of what's possible. It's very much grounded in saving lives, problem solving, but it's not like outside of the box, what's possible dreaming because it's very tied to everything being evidence-based and, you know, there's real people on the line. And I find that pushing or not pushing isn't the right word, but like giving you permission to imagine things is something that's very hard for people because it doesn't seem immediately productive and you don't have the natural skills to even believe that there's something relevant there because you don't see how your skills can be applied and transferred. Does that sound right? That's what I've seen. Well, number one, we're um, very checkbox oriented. It's like you do this, you do this, you do this. And many people go into medicine because they like the certainty of that. It's like you follow a recipe. It's a hard recipe, but you follow the recipe and you get somewhere that you expect. Um, We are also, you're right, taught that there's a right way and a wrong way. And in our training, for better or worse, there's a lot of judgment about how you do things and how you approach things. And we are taught to do things in the same way that, um, and so even in medicine, you know, we have a lot of practice guidelines and protocols. And so our brains tend to think like that. And so it's terrifying to think outside the box. The other thing that you mentioned there that I think is really helpful. And I think it's one of the things that I found so helpful when working with you was that lightness and creativity. And so a lot of the things that we explored together were, you know, looking at um, happy highlights of your childhood or like things that you used to love. And I was thinking actually about why, you know, how I found you. And I think part of the appeal for me was the lightheartedness, like the laughing. And you often, you had some funny podcasts, you know, about being middle-aged and just sort of things that we do. And that allowed that spaciousness to not be so serious about figuring out what you wanted to do. And that gave me permission to figure out who I was without the judgment, if that makes sense. It does. And you know, that laughing business, I can't help myself, but (laughs) just I'm silly. Um, But I have heard that kind of feedback from people that when you bring that kind of lightness Mm -hmm. to serious topics that most of us aren't ready to have fun with, because we're so focused on productivity and we got to do the right thing. We can't, and we have to have the whole darn plan. We can't have a piece of it. We certainly can't have just one step Um, that it, it just, it does help. Yeah. It just helps make it more possible or more fun or less serious. Everything you just said. Uh, I'm so glad. And I think the yoga piece too. So the mindfulness and the relaxation. So I often talk yes. about, we have two different kinds of nervous systems. And when we're in our, um, sympathetic nervous system, which is like fight or flight, fear, figure it out, push through. We can't think and come up with solutions. And so the parasympathetic nervous system, that's the relax one um, that we activate in yoga. And when we laugh and when we're lighthearted, that's the one where the creativity can come. And so I think it's really important to bring in this sort of softness, relaxation and humor <laughs> to the whole um, process and that kindness and compassion. So to me, that, um, was really, I think, stepping out of that, um, medicine sort of seriousness, um, to find what really appeals to you and to la- allow that to be whatever it is, is really, um, where you can find little breakthroughs in the things that you're passionate about. 
Well, you know, you just hinted at something that I know is an issue for you, and it's certainly been an issue. I'm looking for my glasses, and they're on my face. If you were watching this on video, you'd see me, like, touching my head. Where are they? <laughs> um, anyway, you hinted at um, the guilt about leaving medicine, and I think that's another thing that really gets in the way, because most of us are fearful about change anyway. Most of the people that come that I have coached have some level of fear about change. It For me, it really got in the way. Um, but this guilt about being so focused and investing so much time and money in your profession and then questioning whether or not you're going to continue at all or in one form or another, it's a lot. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're also trained to feel guilty about it. Oh, <laughs> back, a lot of it was the training that, um, you know, not only have we invested a lot of time and money, but other people have invested a lot of time and money in us. Right. And, um, we tend to be very service focused humans as well. But I actually have come to believe that you can be really good at something and have a skill and have all this training and still want to do something else. And what really helped me, I think, ultimately transition, and this came to me longer after we worked together, but the idea that um, you have seasons and you're bringing all that you did before with you. And so in all the work that I do now, the fact that I was a pediatrician for 20 years and a physician leader, it all comes into my work every single day. That's a part of me. My brain initially saw it as, oh, I'm leaving all that yes. behind. I'm giving all that up. And so I think that's really important for those people in midlife or who are sort of looking at their next season. We're not leaving something. It's all coming with us. And so when I started to really ground into the fact that I was bringing that wisdom, I was bringing all those experiences, all that training, all that um, problem solving, I'm just bringing it from a different perspective, that that then was helpful to me in giving myself permission to. Oh, that's so good. And that's why I always say you're not just older, you're older and wiser. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I had the epiphany that all of my training in applied social psychology and research and qualitative methodology and interviews and focus groups when I had that realization, I'm like, oh my God, it's so relevant to what I'm doing now. I've been doing it for decades. And I also saw it like you, it was completely separate. Okay, but there, there is one thing that I'll never forget about you. And it was a very powerful worksheet experience that we did together. And when I came up with it, I called it Green with Envy because it happened to me. It was a very powerful experience that really helped me see something that I wasn't ready to see. And it's this feeling of envy because envy is not a feeling we embrace or that we want to really talk about. It's kind of dirty. It's like, ugh, I don't know. I'm embarrassed to feel envy, but it's a clue. It can be thought of as a clue too, because it symbolizes or it indicates something that you actually want. And when we're stuck and we don't know what the heck it is that we want, envy can be a very good thing. So do you want to talk about what epiphany came for you in the Envy worksheet? Yeah. So I love that green with Envy worksheet. I think it's the clue to desire. Well, I was thinking we we're going to say that. But um, so for me, when I did that worksheet, and even when you described it, I didn't even have to do the worksheet because we were working together and you said this, I want you to do this for homework. And instantly I knew the answer. And I will often 
mention this to people that I work with. Like what, what, where's that place that you just like really loved or wanted to be that person? And so for me, it's a, a yoga studio in, um, Kauai and it's called interestingly metamorphose yoga, which is transformation. And it's the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. So even the name of it, um, is, has been meaningful in my transition, but this yoga studio is on a mountaintop, which is actually something I do all my retreats on mountaintops. And I'm kind of obsessed with mountaintops, which I didn't realize until recently. Um, I really thought I was an ocean person, but it's really the view and the vista from above and like looking at things from above. And it has um beautiful breezes and windows that opened. And at the time I worked in a hospital with no windows that opened and that had always been an issue for me. And the view from my window had always been an issue for me, <laughs> interestingly. Um, but it's so yoga, I knew that I loved, and this was actually during that time where I had sort of gone back to, to yoga, but it was much more than yoga because, um, they had, first of all, a singing bowl and the singing bowls, um, is actually what I opened my podcast with now, that exact singing bowl that I bought there, by the way. That's great. Um, and then, um, it had a little park behind it and a coffee shop where people gathered and there was community. And there was a little clothes shop that had like organic clothes and a juice shop. And the woman, um, just was this lovely human who didn't really, she wasn't, didn't seem like she was working. You know, she was just socializing and getting to know people. And it was a really very healing space, but it was more, it was very different than any other yoga, yoga studio I'd ever been in. No class was crowded. People didn't, you know, I, I live in San Francisco. People you know, pack into the waiting room, pack into the yoga room. And like, we do our thing. Well, I don't, but that's sort of the usual <laughs> yoga scene. And what I realize when I think about this place is it's much more in line with the way that I approach yoga, which is more of a way of life and a way of thinking and a way of um, approaching your health. And, you know, it's tied into the healthy eating and the whole like experience of community and being together. And then this title metamorphose of sort of changing yourself. So it's, um, it was very impractical for me at the time, you know, <laughs> and why would I want to open a yoga studio on a tiny island in the middle of the ocean? And, you know, I think as it turns out, I don't know, maybe someday I'll actually own a yoga studio on a tiny island in the middle of the ocean, but I'm not even sure that that was the message, but all right. of those other messages about transformation and seeing things from above and the spaciousness and the kindness and the community and the, and the air okay. and the light and... <laughs> All like it was so it, it was so powerful that I remember it clearly. Yeah, I remember. I, I visualize trans- transport myself there instantly. Exactly. So when we do this green with envy worksheet, it's not that we want necessarily exactly the thing, but there's clues in there. So yeah. you you were craving spaciousness. You were yeah. craving yoga movement and creativity. And, and community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah. And now it's so obvious because yeah. you've created a business that touches on all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's really key in what you just said is that it isn't what you're going to do. Cause I think if people think that, oh, then I have to go do that. It's, you can't even think of what it is. And so right. the permission is you're not going to do it. You're just going to see what clues are in there as to the path that you want to take. And I don't know, looking back, if it was that worksheet that got me to do my yoga teacher training, but there was something in that. And I was like, well, there's a clue for me here. So maybe I'll do it. 
And I didn't even start yoga teacher training with this idea that I was going to definitely be a teacher. Right. I was just no. going to do it and understand it and learn it. Yeah, I, I remember that that's, that. that's something that I think I've really come to understand through coaching is that you can just try something and you'll get what you need out of it. And that will help you figure out the next step. So it wasn't like I'm going to do X and that's going to be my next career. It's like, I'm going to try this. And then by the time I finished my yoga teacher training, I was like, you know, I'm going to go do the same thing with coach training because I want to understand it. I actually didn't even at that moment think I was going to be a coach. I was going to use the yoga and the coaching in the physician wellness work that I was doing where I was. And I actually, for several years, used it with my patients too, because it was fun um, and interesting to sort of, and then I decided like, wow, this is actually what's bringing me joy and where my sort of zone of genius is, as I like to say, is putting all this um, together and really helping my colleagues, which was becoming more and more clear that that was my passion. Um, and so I think it's, when I stepped out of having to solve it and just get creative about it, and that's that lightness and spaciousness that you you offered through some of those exercises, I think that's where I began to move forward. Wow. It's so not what you would think. <laughs> yeah. Like the one um, worksheet that you mentioned is is a very popular worksheet for me. I called it the happy highlights of your book of life. And the point of that one is to Think about moments of joy throughout your life in chapters, whatever makes sense to you. And again, we're so disconnected. How would anything that made, that brought me joy in grade three be relevant now? You know, but it is because when you look at the moments of joy, not drama, not trauma, not the way that we often think about what defines us in certain chapters and periods, there's a pattern there. Do you remember what stood out for you in that one? Well, I think what stood out is, you know, I had a very, um, I'll call it unusual childhood. My dad did a lot of study abroad. I missed a lot of school. We traveled to foreign countries and we always had communities of people and we were always sort of exploring and meeting people and engaging in communities. And so interesting. I hadn't even put that together. It, it ties into what I do as sort of, um, cause now I think I'm more of a teacher and a coach and rather than a healer per se. But, you know, one of the things that I do so much of now that I love is retreats and they're kind of a similar vein of that. And I loved that piece of it. You know, there were pieces I didn't like going back to school after missing six months and, you know, having kind of this instability of friendships as we traveled a lot. But I loved the going off and the excitement of the adventure and, and then creating a community in a, a space, you know, we were in foreign countries, but um, in a space in this short period of time that then became people that were important to you for the rest of your life. I mean, my dad still has students that he worked with that his students are now 60. My dad's in his eighties, you know, and they're still connected. And so it strikes me that that probably was the clue to the, um, sort of retreat angle. It was a hundred percent the clue to me realizing and being okay with the fact that I was likely meant to do something creative and something outside the box. Because that was really how I grew up. And when I was able to see that it was likely unusual that I had stayed in my job for um, over 20 years in the same institution doing similar, you know, it made sense that I was a little bit itchy and interested in creating something and that this probably wasn't going to be my one and only thing that I did in life. It made perfect sense when I started to see how I got there. And I think without those exercises, I just hadn't 
reflected on it in that way. I had different stories about my childhood, but it's a very warm, fuzzy, loving way. And when you do that, the clues are more obvious. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. So then what happened? So you started to get clarity. How did you decide to actually leave? That's such a, but, um, I don't know. I will say deciding <laughs> to actually leave was quite hard. I'm sure. Um, so I arranged for a sabbatical, which for my work took about a year in advance. And I think by the time I took my three month sabbatical, I probably knew I wasn't coming back, but I needed to be kind to myself and just do it in a stage, uh, like a stepwise fashion. And in the meantime, I had finished all of my coach training. I'd finished my yoga teacher training. I was teaching yoga. And so I had found these things that I loved. But I found for me that in the midst of being a physician every day, I couldn't figure out what I was going to do. I didn't have the space to think clearly. And so I guess I gifted myself some space. And then once I had the space, I really was clear, I think, that I was on a path to doing something different, but actually deciding to leave was really hard. And I won't say that there was one moment. I just decided like, okay, well, I'm going to jump off the diving board into the cold water and just see what happens. And um, it was very much a leap of faith on my part. And interestingly, I ended up giving notice um, about six weeks before COVID. And I didn't know that that was going to happen. And so it turned out to be I don't know if it's a gift or a um, crazy, but um, it, it was a, you know, a bumpy ride. It turned out fine, but I, I, I immediately, you know, six weeks later, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea this was happening. I had no idea. So, and yet that turned out to be a gift because the whole world was turning upside down. And so I could really just ground into, okay, well, I've made this decision. How am I going to make it the best decision? And What was interesting is that I don't think I ever thought I had made the wrong decision. It just Mm -hmm. didn't feel good. And I think that's the message I want to send out there is that you likely won't get to a point where you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Let me just sign (laughs) on and do it. Like, I definitely didn't feel that way. I just knew that um, I had to try it, even if it wasn't going to feel good. And then I could trust myself that I would figure it out. That's it. Because there is no guarantee when you go down the entrepreneur, there's no guarantee in anything, but when you go down that entrepreneurial road and you're, you know, you've never done that before. Right. I had no training in any of that. Actually, if I think about it now, I was like, I'm not quite sure what I was thinking, but I think (laughs) that um, what I did have was trust in myself that I would figure it out. And that's actually one of the things we were talking about, the wisdom that you have. And what I realized is if I could go to medical school and I had a baby in medical school and I had a baby in residency and I could be a doctor and raise three children and I could, you know, be a pediatrician for 20 years and I could be a physician leader and I could stay married and do all of that. I was like, I can probably figure this out. And so it was when I grounded into that wisdom that I was taking all of that with me, I was like, you're not just leaving it starting fresh. You are being thoughtful and, and you can, you have the skills within you. I just didn't realize that before. That was what gave me the courage. Yeah. I love that. So learning that you could trust yourself, like thinking about it that way creates trust and belief that, you know, that, that whatever that quote is about things being figure outable. Everything's figure outable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, 
I do think it takes um, tremendous courage and you don't really know. And trust is something though, you know, I had the beginnings of trust. I'll say that I've been working on trust for the last few years. But I think just acknowledging that who else would I trust but myself? Like, otherwise, I'm just giving my trust to everyone else. And so why not trust yourself? And um, I think when you look at even when you look at those physician leadership positions, you're not in control. Right. And for any physicians who are listening, we love to be in control. Oh, yeah. So like, (laughs) like this is and that was actually really helpful. It's like, well, now I'm in control. Right. I've always said that's what I wanted. Well, here we go. Um, And it feels good and bad all at the same time. The other thing that really does come up, though, and I it's such a common thing, but it's just nobody seems to focus on it, is we only think about what bad things going to happen if it doesn't work out. We don't think about what good things are going to happen as a result of it working out and as a result of us trusting ourselves. And just, you know, we don't imagine that at all. But if you think about all the good things that happened as a result of you taking that leap, like it's so obvious now. And I think um, that is also one of the things that as physicians, we were trained to think about the worst case scenario, what catastrophic thing could happen and literally going through all the potential bad outcomes. And so um, mindfulness really helped me with not doing that. And the question of like, what if it turns out better than you expect? The other question I think that really, really helped me is there's a famous quote, and I'm not going to get it quite right. But the idea is, what would the world miss out on if you don't do this? Right. And that, for me, gave me um, the courage. I think that with those two things together, we're like, what if it turns out better than you expect? And I will say it has for me, and I think for most people I work with, when you trust yourself, um, rather than just thinking that you have to trust others, amazing things turn up. Exactly. And what you've done, tell us about these retreats, because it's an unusual combination of things that go on on your retreats. Yeah. So um I do retreats that offer yoga and coaching um, and mindfulness. So I call it mindful yoga, which is a blend. It's sort of coaching yoga, but it's very much focused in the mindfulness rather than the exercise. And someone recently was asking for retreats for people over 50 who maybe don't want to like be doing super exercise yoga all day long. And so I was like, oh, well, I get that. That's really what I do. I blend it with um, coaching. And so I do a lot of the same coaching that I do over time, but I do it intensively. And then um, I also bring in what I call culinary medicine, which is really um it's healthy eating, but it's really eating in ways that feel good to you and learning about what feels good and learning about um, food as nourishment. So to me, it's like food and nature as nourishment. And just to tie back in with the Green with Envy, I do them in a retreat center on a mountaintop that has a view. Um, it also has a beautiful yoga studio, kind of like that metamorphose yoga studio um, in that it has those same beautiful wood floors and beautiful windows and light and the doors and windows open. Um, and so it's been a real opportunity to um, explore different things. And what's really cool about the retreats, also totally unexpected, is that my husband actually helps me with them. So he does all the cooking, which um, for him has been uh, a area of, you know, he's always been a cook. And he actually used very early on when we first started dating, my dad actually hired him to cook for one of those things I was telling you about one of his study abroad programs. That was his first gig here. And he's gone back to it, you know, 35 years later. But it's been this beautiful place for us in our marriage to also kind of 
rekindle that fun and doing things together. And it's been really fun for me to watch him in his element and also to watch, I think all women love having a, um, a husband who comes in and does cook some amazing food that tastes delicious and is good for you and beautiful. Like it's an added, um, added benefit. But I like to think about, um, you know, sometimes we think about yoga as one thing and coaching as one thing and eating as another. But when you blend it all together and you put yourself in that optimal environment, that's where you can make the shifts so that you're not just on a, a five day retreat, that you actually go home with the tools to change. And that brings me back to the idea of you and I working together and bringing in that lightness and that sense of safety and that just sense of like, I have the spaciousness to figure this out. When you are sleeping in cozy beds and waking up to beautiful birds and, and doing yoga and eating well, and you know, you're in community, all of that together creates this milieu that allows you to come up with creative solutions that you wouldn't otherwise. I love that so much. I can't even tell you. And the, the husband piece is just icing on the cake, but even thinking to include food the way you're including it is a creative idea. And I can't imagine that ever happening in your other, you know, your other world when you weren't even thinking what, how can I best serve my clients? What's missing? What would make it just so much better and richer, you know? Yeah, I think um, for me, that's been one of the most fun things about this journey is I just keep getting more and more um, creative. And the more space that I actually give myself, I think um, the more fun ideas come to play. And actually, I have this new creative idea that I'm putting into practice, which is just so interesting. I have a best friend. And so one of the things I wanted to just highlight in this, like women in the middle, I think we think we have to do it all ourselves. And yet we have all of these people like your husband, or perhaps a best friend who actually went to medical school with me. And we lived upstairs, downstairs, and we raised our children together. And then she moved away for 20 years, but we've stayed good friends. So rude and she's, that she moved. How rude. <laughs> well, she's moved back to California, not not near me. Um, but we were together recently, and she was actually helping me um, problem solve some struggles with my aging parents. And I said, we need to collaborate. And so we are now going to do small group coaching. She's not a coach, but she's done some mindfulness, and she's a geriatrician. And I was like, we need to collaborate and create, you know, a small group coaching program for physicians who are caring for aging parents, where we bring in coaching and mindfulness. And then I was like, oh, and we really need to do a retreat together. And so we have a favorite place that we used to go to that's, you know, and so all of a sudden you get to bring all these amazing like connections and old friends. And when you really just sort of ground into who you are and what you love and it wasn't that I needed to do something different, but I was just so inspired by this idea. I was like, we're just going to make it happen. Absolutely. Um, what a beautiful thing. And so I think when you start to open your mind to these creative ideas and then start to think about the people in your life that you love or some conversation that you have that just excites you, there's so much more out there that um, when you bring all your wisdom to, I'm thinking, you know, we couldn't have done this in our thirties. We can only do it now. Um that we are on the other end of our careers. It's so good. I I have to say, I had a similar epiphany about how to get my best, my bestie here in in retreats. And she's a yoga instructor in Florida. And same thing, like she's, she's part of the gang. We just came back from the whale watching thing in Baja. And yeah, like I, I love that. I love it. It's really making your business more fun and part of your lifestyle 
like, just like your career before was not separate, even though you thought of it as separate, your lifestyle doesn't have to be completely separate either. And the things that you love can sometimes just be all together. And it's so much fun. That's such an important point, because I think when I first started coaching, I thought, you know, okay, well, I have to fix my my career <laughs> and that will help fix all the other things. I knew in my mind they were all intertwined. I had never bought into work-life balance because especially in medicine, it's almost impossible. Um, and as a pediatrician, right, you go to your children's games and your patients would be out there and people would ask you questions. So they were clearly inseparable, but inseparable in a way that um, was tiring. And now they're inseparable in a way that's energizing. Totally. And to allow yourself to see that for many people in our generation, I don't think we were taught that or raised that way. And so no. shifting that perspective, I think to think about what do you want to do with this next season of your life that's energizing and it's not retirement. I just like to think of it as like the next thing you're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So how can people learn more about you? What's the best way to get a hold of you and find your work? The best way to get a hold of me is um, to go to my website, which is jessiemahoneymd.com. And it's jessie with an IE. It's also pause and presence. And so pauseandpresence.com also gets you to me as well. Um, and those are the easiest. You can also, um, I have a podcast called the Mindful Healers Podcast, which I do with a different friend. Um, again, the beauty of relationships and, and people that you love in your life. And so if people want to listen to that, that's another way to find me. And there's lots of fun, interesting conversations. And I found you through your, um, I think you were on Katrina Ubell's podcast and I was I like, was. fun. I'm going to listen to her podcast. And so <laughs> I do always love this idea of like, just if something inspires you, you just shift over. And then I, and I listened for a while and I was like, I'm going to reach out to her. So finding the things that just really um, make you come alive. And noticing that yeah. and just having that pause to just notice it. So good. I'm going to, of course, have all the show notes, all of those links and and uh, names of things will be in the notes. Jesse, thank you so much. It's been super fun connecting and refl- having you reflect now on your client experience was so um, interesting and rewarding for me to hear. And you just added some context to it that was just really great. One other thing I just want to add for your listeners, because I really do it literally for fun. I teach yoga almost every Saturday on Zoom. It's free and it's really perfect for (laughs) women over 50 because it's taught by women over 50. And so I just love having more people come and anybody's welcome to, to join me. You can find that on my website too. There's a yoga tab. Um, but I would love to have people and there's a um, YouTube channel too. So if you can't come live, you can do that. And I have this dream, which I'm just going to throw out here just because it's fun. You know, a lot of people do yoga with Adrian. And I had this idea that I would be the yoga with Adrian for women over 50 because, um, you know, she's much younger than either of us are. And so I had this idea that that would be fun. And, you know, it's evolving over time, but I would love to have more people um, join me in that um lighthearted, fun spirit of just hanging out together. Oh my God. You could not even imagine you on a YouTube channel doing yoga when we were coaching together. That wouldn't have even been a discussion point. Like that would No, it would not have. So I think for people listening to just to remember that like you have no idea 
<laughs> what might turn up. I would never have considered that I would be a YouTube yoga person. And there I am. There you are. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, that's it for this episode. One thing that really stood out for me hearing Jesse's story was about giving herself permission to challenge her views and expectations about her options. So please think about how that plays out for you. Do you need to challenge yourself every once in a while? I give you permission. There you go. <laughs> and the other thing is the value of the creative and silly sneak attack on your thoughts. Now, I use this strategy a lot with my coaching, and it just warms my heart that it helped her so much. Honestly, ha, huh, so good. All right. So as you know, this podcast is all about how to love your life again after 50. It's really all about coaching you to be more intentional and to incorporate mindfulness into your life as a regular practice. And mindfulness is the key ingredient to regret proofing your life. This is how you put yourself on your agenda. My focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and focused on your current values and priorities so you don't have regrets. You can absolutely create less busy and more balance. The bottom line is that you know you're meant for more and you don't want to waste valuable time. I get it. So if you're ready to make some important changes with what I'm thinking of as a new midlife operating system, then you can be way more clear about what you want and how to get there. I can help you create the success you're looking for. That's why I created the Women in the Middle Academy with you in mind, because it's a warm, supportive, and fun coaching community of like-minded women who grow forward together so you feel great about your future and don't have regrets. So email me your questions and let's talk about it and see if it's good for you. See if it's a good fit. Go ahead and book your free, no-obligation momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 308. And if you're interested in applying to be a guest on my new podcast, Women in the Middle Entrepreneurs, head over to www.midlifeinterviews.com and apply. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.